0: Hey you guys, it is Megan here, and I am your anxiety-ridden Belle. Yes, you heard that right. A little bit about myself, I am 27 years old, with a Virgo sun, Aries moon, and Libra rising. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised, and some people like to consider me a Southern Belle, but I'm not sure that I will take that title. Um, I have severe anxiety, and I am just navigating this semi-post-pandemic life. Let's be real, we're still in the pandemic, but I'm navigating this life. Um, I hope you guys will join me on my adventures and my thoughts as I talk about my anxiety, my depression, my mental health, body positivity, things that I'm currently interested in, and some guests coming on and talking about all these random topics i have i will see you guys soon bye
1: hi i'm Brittany ross and i play the fiddle
2: i'm katherine blenchen and i play the pipe and together we are fiddle and pipe two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff so grab a book take a seat and tune in I'm ready. I'm recording right now. So Great. I am
1: also recording.
2: Oh wow.
1: Look at that. We're all recording. I'm <laughs> we've come so far. I am so proud of us. Uh welcome to yet another episode of Fiddle and Pipe. I am Brittany Ross. That is Catherine Flincham. Hello. And we have a third guest today. Catherine, would you like to introduce
2: Yes? Um, we have Doctor Doctor of Flute, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, oh, snap. Yeah, Doctor of Flute and Life Coach. Um, she is the host of Align Your Mind podcast, and she is also my mindset coach, Chelsea Tanner, everybody. And you might know her as at Chelsea Tanner on Instagram if you follow her on Instagram mm-hmm. as well.
3: <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I didn't
2: realize we were
3: among a doctor. <laughs> I have it. <laughs> to remind myself I've done stuff.
2: <laughs> I feel so underprepared. <laughs> we just got our masters here. We're like <laughs> We're like, "Oh no." <laughs>
3: oh, yeah, yeah, that uh Man, sometimes I just have to remind myself I did it, you know. It's, it seems like such a blur.
2: <laughs> I mean, you to be fair though, you finished your doctoral like studies like in the middle of the pandemic um from what I remember seeing online Mm -hmm. (laughs) which yeah yeah (laughs) I feel like that was like years ago like a decade ago like even five years ago was a decade ago it feels like
3: (laughs) seriously yeah anything pre like 2020 I'm like that was a different life I don't know (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I I agree with that even the first part
3: of 2020 I'm like was that even real
2: was that a fever dream (laughs) I remember being sick (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was pretty much it. But yeah, so we have Chelsea on today because she is a like life coach. Is that the technical term for it?
3: Yeah, I think that I, I prefer mindset coach only for the reason that I never tell anybody what to do. People think like, oh, you're a life coach. Like, Tell me what to do. Tell me how to live my life. Like, I don't tell anybody how to live their life. Mm-hmm. I just sort of help them see what their mind is doing. So it's really, I think, a more apt term to say mindset coach. So that's why I use that sort of on my Instagram and on my platforms. But I'm like certified technically as a life coach. So whatever that means. <laughs>
2: yeah, I wanted to make sure because I know that you mentioned mindset a lot more than you do life coach. So that's why I wanted to like make sure like I got the difference because yeah, mindset I think is a little bit different compared to like life.
1: I feel like life coach, too, could also be confused with, like, a therapist. Mm-hmm. So that would be. Yeah.
3: I mean, I think that everyone has their own definition of what a life coach is. Some life coaches really do, like, tell you, like, do this and I'll hold you accountable and we're going to just, like, push through and work through things. And I'm sort of like, I don't know you as well you as you know yourself. So you know what's best for you. And I'm just going to help you see, like, what's going on in your thinking so that you can make really informed choices for yourself in whatever you're doing. Um, that can be, I mean, I feel comfortable coaching anyone on anything really, but I think it's, it's more like, yeah, I don't know. I just like that term. It narrows it down a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> mindset. Yeah.
1: So were you a flutist first or were you a mindset coach first?
3: Yeah. So definitely a flutist. I, um, I picked up mindset coaching tools from different podcasts in starting like fall of 2019 mm-hmm. and I was also that year I finished my DMA I was also a, a visiting professor at a college upstate at SUNY Potsdam and I ended up incorporating a lot of those ideas into my teaching I just saw such amazing results for my students that I was and for honestly for myself and Um, I was like, there's something to this that I think every musician should know, like every person. These are like basic human skills people should know. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went through a certification program um, and then, yeah, started my own business. (laughs) Hmm.
2: I mean, I like how you still like do flute and everything like that. But you also like branched into this like other career field that I think is pretty important for musicians to kind of, be aware of because when I look back at like music school I don't really think about I think more about I, I'm here I was here to study my craft to learn more about flute to get better at that skill um, to expand my knowledge on you know specific parts of music there wasn't much you know like okay what should we be thinking in the practice room or how can we overcome our nerves on stage or when we're in studio class or in a rehearsal with a bunch of people like kind of watching you while you're playing a solo. It's there, and even with like career aspects, um, I feel like there's not a lot of that learned or talked about, or at least there wasn't when we were in music school. Mm-hmm. And I just find it like very fascinating that like you took the initiative to kind of like go into that and like share that with other musicians. I think that's so helpful, especially for kids now that are in school or people trying to like, you know, navigate their careers. Um, especially during this time, I feel like COVID really kind of put us at this like weird limbo of what do I do now?
3: Yeah, totally. I don't think it's talked about in music school. I mean, I think the biggest thing we don't talk about is like the feelings of inadequacy and no one really has an answer for that in music school. Usually it's like, oh, well, if you practice enough, you'll feel confident. Right. And as a person who practiced probably more than enough and still didn't feel confident, I was like, what's going on? Like, what is this missing ingredient that I, like, don't have that maybe they teach at Juilliard and I just, like, don't know it, right? Like, I feel like we always have this, like, they must have taught these people something to feel confident and empowered when, honestly, I think the biggest kept secret is, like, everyone feels these feelings at one time or another, right? Like, every person on the planet has feelings of inadequacy at one point because we're humans, right? So when we don't know that, we feel very alone, we feel very separated from everyone else who seems to have a handle on things, but maybe internally they're also struggling. Um, and this is something that's hard to talk to with professors because you want to please your professor. You want to make a good impression because they're a professional resource for you, right? They're um, they're in some ways like, uh, you know, someone you probably really admire. <laughs> um, And you want to make a good impression. And I think when we share emotions in real life and not just on stage, right? We're we're not wanting to come off as like we don't know how to handle ourselves. We don't want to sort of come off that way sometimes. And sometimes we don't acknowledge it. We push it down and then we practice a ton. And then we don't know what's happening at the end of a degree. And we're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. And that's where I was after my master's. I, I think I, mm-hmm. I really worked a lot to, you know, do what my teacher told me in my master's. Who I love my master's program. I love my teacher. But I think at the end of it, I was so deep into, like, what would my teacher like that I didn't have my own opinions of my, my playing. And so I went to a music festival that summer, and I was just a wreck. I was, like, trying, like, to get every little last shred of validation because that's what sustained me before, and without that, I, like, didn't know where I was, I didn't know how well I played, like, I I had no real, like, you know, concrete opinions of my own, I had sort of my teacher's belief in me, which was amazing, but once that goes away, then you're kind of left to your own devices, and I think right after school is when we experience that the most.
2: Yeah
1: especially when because right outside of school is oftentimes when you are taking auditions and trying to get on Mm -hmm. your own two feet so it's a little bit of failure for a while so it's hard to kind of get past that whole wow i have a master's degree in music i've spent 10 plus years of my life doing this and what do i do now when you're so used to getting that feedback loop from your peers and your professors when you don't experience that as naturally in Mm -hmm. the real world
2: I think it even is harder when you see people like kind of thriving like we're I mean again social media we're all talking about like things and you see people like talking about like oh I'm doing this and I'm playing in this orchestra or I'm doing this gig and you're kind of not doing the same things because you're still trying to like figure out like what am I doing with my master's like outside of school it really kind of like adds to the fact like I I guess like worthlessness feels that way Mm. or I think that way
3: (laughs) yeah I mean I think that like that's so common right or like okay I'm and I even have this come up in my own brain I think it's kind of like what we call all or nothing thinking right Mm -hmm. like if I'm not using this degree for the thing that it was intended for then it's for nothing and I wasted my time Right? And then that can make us feel pretty, pretty down yeah. and worthless. Like, I still sometimes do that with my DMA because I'm not a professor right now. Right? Like, that, that totally happens where I'm like, what did I even, like, why are we, why did we do this? Yeah. Um, was it all just a waste of time? And when we go down that sort of spiral, we kind of look for evidence to support that idea. Right? And so we're basically kind of proving ourselves right by looking around and saying like, oh, look at all these things I don't have. And I think that that can be really kind of treacherous a little bit because we are not seeing the nuance. We're not seeing, like, how, how much did I gain from this experience? Like, what did I actually get out of it personally, not just professionally? Like, what do I have that I can value and not just what other people value? And I think that's, that's what we're not taught <laughs> in music school as well.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right, basically.
1: And unless you have someone who is, like, a mindset coach, that's something you only learn via experience. Because, like, I know for (sighs) me, grad school was really hard because I live in Georgia. I went to school in Milwaukee, and I left my family and my then-boyfriend at the time here. So I moved 800 miles away to a place I was unfamiliar. I had a professor that I didn't really jive with. Uh, The whole experience was not that great it was really hard for me. So when I left grad school, I had to be like, well, what did I get out of this? Like, why did I put two years and all this energy into it? What did I get out of it? How am I better? Just to justify it in my own head, just mm-hmm. like to reconcile it, mm-hmm. that experience.
3: Absolutely. I think that's a great point. It's And I want to <laughs> offer too, you have to decide whatever you want to about your past experiences, right? Like, how we think of our past, if we think our past is a waste of time, like that's going to have an emotional effect on us now, right, not in the past. So when we're really thinking about that, it's like, how can I shape, like, how did I become a person that I like a little bit more now, right, than than before through this experience? Like, what did I learn? What skills do I have now that I wouldn't have had before? And what sort of resilience did I develop through a hard situation like that? I think it's always really important to sort of open your mind to that because, sometimes we just chalk experiences up to like good or bad Mm -hmm. when really it's like, Oh, actually there was like good parts of it. And I learned this thing here and it doesn't always have to be this snap judgment of a, of a, as a whole, it can be um, a bunch of different experiences put together and opening our minds to nuance is always a little more comforting in my opinion than just like overall judgments of, of life phases which I think is tempting to do especially when they're like broken up in degrees and with teachers and mm-hmm. other things like
0: that. <laughs>
1: oh yeah it makes a lot more sense too because that's how life is set up you know things in life aren't inherently good or bad if things aren't black and white they're a mix and it's good to see the pros and cons of both instead of viewing a whole experience and just putting one label on it
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: you have this music background. What made you want to be a mindset coach? Was it your crippling music, uh, <laughs> camp experience?
3: Oh, well, I mean, I think it was, it was that I had, I was fortunate. I got an artist diploma after my master's. So we, we did 10 years of music school, me and myself, but <laughs> me and my flute, I guess. But I, I
1: mean, if you don't know what to do in the real world, just keep accruing
3: debt. Like true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> Just, um, you'll
1: always be a student. You never have to make those big decisions.
3: Well, yeah. And I also, you know, I felt lucky to be with the teacher I had in my artist diploma because um, it was a bit of the opposite of what I had in my master's, which she was like, oh, why are you playing this phrase this way? What, why did you make this decision? Why are you doing these things? And, uh, and of course, my brain was like, I think that's what you want me to do. I actually said that out loud, which was, like, the worst thing I could possibly say, right, because I had no, like, concrete evidence for, like, why I was making decisions because before I was kind of just told what to do. So um, I think that was really helpful because it made me get so curious about my own playing. Like, it, it was not acceptable to come into a lesson without having thought literally everything through. So if I was to walk in there, I had to be like confident enough in my own ideas and in my own opinions. Was I always like, no, (laughs) But, but I, but I also like learned a lot about, oh, okay, this is actually what preparation is. Like it isn't just playing things like good enough or getting the right notes or whatever. It's like feeling comfortable and confident in decisions that you made in your practice room and then bringing them to someone who's, going to offer their opinion. And I think that that's really what I learned. And that was really helpful and empowering in so many ways, but it did kind of break my mentality down and have myself, I had to kind of build it back up from there, which was hard. Um, after, after I was like, oh, I'm a master's, but I feel like I'm a beginner, right? <laughs> like <I have laughs> my master's, so I feel like a beginner. <laughs> that's a mood.
2: I felt like that when I first started my master's, to be fair, and yeah. like, I experienced the same. same things where it's like, I wanted to, like, you know, play what my teacher, like, I was like, well, isn't this what you think is right? Like, isn't this what you want to hear? Versus, like, making, like, my own decisions and feeling confident in my playing. I think that, like, I can definitely relate to that in some aspect.
3: Yeah, and so I think that that was such a different view. I actually ended up going to the same music festival, kind of, like, bookending that my artist diploma. So, and then I went back and I was like, whatever, anyone can think whatever they want of me. I know what I think of my playing, you know? And I would like to be able to see that in the same environment was just really helpful for me because I was like, oh, like it's not my playing that's doing that. It's like how I'm thinking and how I'm, I'm feeling about it. So um, that was really helpful to sort of just see. And then I I went through a couple of years of just like hustling, which was like teaching. I was a like, I filled in at um, Penn State University for the flute professor there for a semester and then ended up going back to UT for my doctorate. Um, I did two years of coursework in one um, because I wanted to like speed it up, which was crazy. I didn't that was a that was a workaholic kind of year I ended up really realizing I couldn't sit with myself because I was so negative to myself I was like I have to have a podcast on I have to be productive I have to be doing something until I literally pass out and wow I feel
1: called out yeah right (laughs) yeah I feel like I've been there (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm like here it was thinking it was just high energy okay
3: right. And it was yeah, I mean I think there's something to it too, right? You're you have deadlines, you have recitals, you have I mean, I was also the TA that year, like there were so many different aspects to it. And then um that next year I was I moved to upstate New York, you know, and just like in all threw myself into all these different environments, you know, all for my career and then um I ended up, you know, applying for the tenure track professor job at SUNY Potsdam, but I was I was in that visiting job and they ended up not granting me a live interview for that job, um, and they didn't take into consideration that I was already there. That, for me, was one of the hardest things, I, it, probably the hardest thing I've ever dealt with, because I was, I loved the job so much, um, and my students really rallied for me, which was, like, heartbreaking and amazing, but also heartbreaking, because the committee didn't take any of it into consideration, and it just wasn't you know, and I I don't like to, you know, call people out publicly, but I also, this was just my experience. And so, you know, that was super hard because I was in love with the job and all the students there. And it was something I didn't have the tools to deal with because, you know, you move around for every opportunity. I, this last year was the first year I ever renewed a lease on an apartment. (laughs) Like I've moved every single year. And I think that That stuff, like the personal sacrifices and the thinking like my best was in that job and it wasn't enough, like that thought on a loop, it was so dangerous and so detrimental to me. You know, as it was happening, I'd sort of just found life coaching. And I so I really threw myself into it because it gave me tangible stuff that I think when I tried to talk to a therapist about it, I didn't quite get to a place where it was like a tangible, actionable thing that I could do or I could see my mind or whatever it was and how I was thinking. And, you know, so that's kind of how I got into it, which is not like a, <laughs> a fun story, I guess. But I definitely think it's one that so many musicians can relate to. Musicians who don't get tenure in orchestra and win a job or, you know, people who experience that kind of rejection on a level that they're not prepared for right like I think that it's really hard to then value yourself after those experiences and that's sort of what I've been trying to do for myself and um really knowing all of these mindset skills have helped me so much and I've been just trying to give them to as many people as I can so Mm -hmm. yeah that's sort of how I got into it (laughs)
1: So it really came more from like a place of need where you were like, I am trying these avenues, like therapy, for instance, and they aren't working. And this is more like what I want. And then you're like, I wonder if other people can also benefit from this.
3: Yeah. And not to say Hmm. that therapy isn't amazing. I also am in therapy. I'm a huge advocate for it too, right? Same. Um, (laughs) And I think that there's you know, a place for both of them, you know, I think therapy deals with more, a lot of past stuff that coaching is more like, what are you thinking now? How's that affecting you? Um, you know, and I think that, and how is that affecting your future as well? You know, so I think it's, there's so much room for all of it. Um, and they can definitely work together, but I think, yeah, it's hard to, to navigate all this stuff because, um, you only see the people playing the recitals and getting invited to things and like, getting the jobs on Facebook, you know, it's, uh, it's really hard to, you know, still value yourself, value yourself, even if you're not in the position of some of your peers. Yeah. So that's,
2: and that's kind of what drove me into going into mindset coaching was because I was feeling that a lot, at least within, not so much in 2020, but a lot more in 2021. And when things were semi getting back to normal, when everyone was getting vaccine, and more opportunities were being opened up again. And I was experiencing, you know, failed auditions, (laughs) not feeling like I was getting, you know, I was feeling underappreciated. I was feeling, you know, I was seeing everybody putting out these awesome things, and I was kind of in the same place and felt very stuck. And I am doing therapy, and I did therapy for many reasons, but I noticed, like, I needed to change also something, like, in my own current mindset with like where I am today with my from like my flute playing to like my career outlook and like where I am mentally and how can I get away from you know feeling and seeing like all these things and feeling negative and stuck that's what attracted me to doing mindset, mindset coaching in the first place and yeah it's been really good <laughs> it's been really good <laughs> I would say
1: are you saying that because your mindset coach is here with us?
0: or
2: <laughs> No, I, I, I guess like I'm saying it because like mo- now, especially I think it helps also that I'm not as crazy busy as I have been this whole entire spring semester that happened a few months ago. But I'm realizing a little bit more things like when I'm feeling down, for instance, and I felt this yesterday, actually, I started feeling really down on myself and i started writing it out actually i wrote out all these negative things and i looked at it and i was just like okay the reason why you're thinking this is probably like it's just in your head it's not true and trying to like shift you know all these like i'm i can't quite think on top of my head what i was thinking yesterday <laughs> but i was just like kind or if of if you're
1: like you're feeling this and this is why you're feeling it yeah. and this is what we can do to like make the situation better, to rectify it, kind of thing. I
2: was just being a little bit more, yeah, I was kind of just, like, shutting it down and being like, okay, why are you thinking this way? And, Mm I don't know, Mm -hmm. I just realized I was a little bit more in my head than I thought. So.
1: You? No. (laughs) Me? What? Never. Never. (laughs) Yeah. So, do you specialize mostly with musicians, Chelsea, or is it pretty, do you deal with other Careers or other types of people who
3: are non musicians? Absolutely, right? So, this is, I mean, I'm focused mostly on musicians. Most of my content is aimed toward musicians because that's what I know. And I have a lot of feedback with people saying, like, oh my gosh, you're in my head. Like, I felt exactly this way, but no one talks about it, right? Like, I think I can speak well to people who have gone through music school because. It's a unique experience that, you know, if you know, you know, if you don't, it's, it's hard to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love coaching musicians. I also, um, you know, I feel like I, I definitely coach musicians on non-music topics. So it's not really toward one thing or another. It's, um, it's really all about like, you know, that's why I call it mindset coaching and not like music coaching because so they don't think it's necessarily the music or the circumstance that's the problem. You know, but it's really like, oh my gosh, I'm having all these negative thoughts, like you said, like, how do I deal with this? I'm feeling awful. And, you know, I think one of the best things you can do is, you know, what you just said, which is, you know, write them all down and say like, oh my gosh, it makes total sense I'm feeling this way if I'm thinking this way.
2: It's just, it's a nice little relief. You just, word vomit at all. Yeah. and everything that's building up in your head. And I don't like writing, to be very honest. I I think I've just gotten lazy because I'm so used to typing and texting things out. But like, (laughs) I physically like wrote it out and I was just like, it was really hard at first because I was like, I don't want to write this down. But I just like, once I got used to it, like maybe after the first like couple like things I wrote down, then I was just like, okay, like it's just coming out of me like word vomit. (laughs) basically and it felt relieving because I think it just it's like one of the it's it's kind of like running for me when I feel really anxious or stressed and I have the time I just let out I have to kind of stop things and I just let it out on a run like all my endorphins just you know bam go out yeah and I think it was the same thing in that instance that I did yesterday because I was feeling really because I was like not expecting to feel as crummy as I felt um yesterday because I didn't want to I wanted to watch the abs game and be like go abs um hockey sports anyway (laughs) hey sports ball sports ball sports puck I (laughs) wanted to like you know enjoy that time and I was feeling really bummed out and I didn't want to feel bummed out and crappy for the rest of the day I didn't want like one conversation to like let me down so letting it all out just felt like a relief in some shape
0: way
3: form (laughs) Totally, and I think, too, there's this sort of, like, this thing where a lot of times we want to, like, push the emotion away, like, I shouldn't be feeling this. That's, like, the number one reaction, I think, to most emotions, because you're not taught how to, like, allow an emotion or process them like we all should be in, like, kindergarten, maybe. I don't know, like, we have big ones.
1: (laughs) We're really good at repressing ourselves. Yes. And dismissing.
3: And so we always sort of, like, invalidate or push away our emotions. And, like, we always think, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. That will just, like, pile on the negativity, right? Like, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't be nervous. For example, like, if you're a musician, keep pe- thinking, confident musician shouldn't be nervous. Oh, my God. Like, every time you're nervous, you're going to be like, well, now I'm not confident. And now I'm going to mess up. And now I can't play my best. Like, all of that stuff that even subconsciously goes on when we don't accept that we feel a certain way it's so much harder to not feel that way plus a few other emotions right it's like it's um it's when we're allowing it and i think writing or um just letting yourself feel the emotion which is really just like that physical vibration that's you know reflective of your thoughts right like if we feel embarrassed its our cheeks get rosy and like totally <laughs> we hot. feel like hot. a little nauseous <laughs> yeah its it's totally just and like anxiety feels a different way than embarrassment that feels a different way than joy and excitement like all of those things are just sort of physical vibrations or reflections of what we're thinking so if we think about it in that way our emotions like don't mean anything other than oh we're having some thoughts right mm-hmm. they're just they're just there, and if we can allow that to happen and we can allow that to be there and just sort of take care of ourselves in the process when we're not feeling great, I think that's like, that's a skill that's really incredible to develop because when you can do that, you can feel not amazing, and it doesn't mean anything about you or your life or anything like that. It's just like, oh, I'm happy. my brain is extra negative today. I have to just be kind to myself in the process and just notice it. You know, and I think that that's, that's something that's definitely not reflected on social media a lot of the time or anywhere no. we spend a lo- a majority of our time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's not shared on social media often. I don't think, <laughs> I think, and I think that's why sometimes like when I do get caught up in that mindset, I kind of just have to take a break from social media. Like, I just have to, like, not go on and just kind of take care of myself because I feel like that's the best way I can take care of myself is kind of just, like, okay, what can I do to work? And not compare myself constantly and bringing myself down. What can I, like, work on and, you know, enjoy about myself or like about myself and accept?
3: (laughs) Totally. I think that, yeah, I think that self-care is... Like, way more than bubble baths and, like...
2: It's way more...
3: You know, external things. Hot yoga. Yeah,
2: right? Yeah.
3: (laughs) It's, like, if you want to go to yoga, great. It's going to change your physicality a little bit. But if you're not, sort of, treating some sort of underlying issue of, like, what are you thinking that's causing all this stuff, right? Like, if you're not, sort of, investigating where, like, the root cause of these, you know, thought or feelings and like this action maybe you don't want to be taking or this stuff that's happening um I think that you know we miss such an opportunity to get to know ourselves and how our brain's working but then also we can't we can't change things that we don't understand right like we can't fix our refrigerator if we don't know what's broken in it Right, it's just, like, not going to happen. It's like when you try to fix your mental health
1: and you don't go to therapy or you don't take medication that might be recommended for you.
3: It's interesting because we always think, like, oh, the X, and that's capitalism, right? We always think, like, oh, this Peloton bike is going to make me happy, you know? Right. Or this, like, if I can get to this place or this destination, then I'll stop feeling negative emotions. And, like, that place never happens, which... I guess I should say spoiler alert, but like, we'll always have like thoughts that create feelings, both negative and positive, and like it's really in how we help ourselves deal with that is is what I am um, always interested in because then you can be happy and excited now. You know, you don't have to wait to um, like give yourself love and care. Now, it's my plug for self care. <laughs> <laughs> It's important. We're pretty big on
1: (laughs) self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Here, at least. Yeah. Hey, you look kind of peppy.
2: I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah. We have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot.
1: If someone was walking through Denver, and let's say this person was me, and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one?
2: We are open from 7 to 5, Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in-store or online at LaBelleRosette.com. That's a really good deal totally a good deal and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store
1: is that a good deal
2: uh, not really but i actually need to head to work right now because i'm gonna be late oh so i'm gonna go go to Label rosette Go. bye
1: right now drop <laughs> everything go what would you recommend for musicians like general advice for musicians today still going through post semi not post COVID trying to make their way forward in a market and in a world that might not be super receptive and super friendly towards them
3: that's a really good question thanks I'm full of them (laughs) um I uh so I'll just say the things that have helped me because I'm I'm personally, I'm not affiliated with an institution. I don't, like, work for a school, and I'm not in an orchestra. Like, there's, that's, and I think that 25-year-old me would have been like, oh, my gosh. So you didn't make it, right? Like, you didn't do the two paths. Like, what are you doing? And I think that everyone says you define success, right? Like, you define your own success like success is an opinion but I I think that's really true but I also think one sort of little nugget that I think has helped me even as I still like take I took an audition in March right like I'm not I'm not (laughs) inactive in flute anymore but I think it's the idea that you can be good enough to win an audition and not win it Right. Like everyone makes failures and different things, or failures or rejections. And you can put those in air quotes. Right. Like whatever. But just mm-hmm. for time's sake, we all know <laughs> what I mean by those. Right. You know, not advancing an audition, whatever it is, you you don't have to make that mean mm-hmm. that you're not good enough or you weren't good enough to win. Right, Like that's optional. Like our brain automatically might do that and say, like, oh, my gosh, you're not good enough. Let's not do that. Anymore because this is really painful and we should just like stop. That's what our brain's doing, right? Like it's trying to discourage us because it's an emotionally painful experience. Yeah. Sometimes to go through uh, an audition, well, pretty much every audition. Yeah. Even, even if you win, I feel like I I feel like there's never really an audition that every you know. Even if someone wins, they're not going through several rounds of auditions feeling incredible throughout the entire process. I think that that nuance should be stated because. I think that sometimes our emotional expectations or how we think we should feel, like, dictate what we think of ourselves. Like, oh, I should feel confident by now, right? If I don't feel confident, then I'm not
2: yeah.
3: a good musician or, or whatever that is, right? So I think creating space between, like, the facts of the situation, which is, like, you weren't chosen, and then, like, what, that, what your brain is making that mean about you. Like, totally different.
2: Yeah, I think I've fallen into that trap way too often, especially with auditions, because I always, like, tend to think about, oh, when you hit this audition, you should be this confident now, or you should be in this place now with your mind and your playing and all this. And when that audition actually, like, happens, I don't feel exactly that way. I feel, like, the opposite. I feel nervous. I feel stressed. I feel... And I felt this way a little bit when the last audition I did. I was just excited to get it done with. I just remember sitting like in the warm-up room when they finally like took me away from like the main flute room into a private practice room and I just remember like sitting there and I was gonna go over some things but in my head I was just like I'm just ready to get this done with. I think I had all these expectations of how I was supposed to feel when I got to the audition like I'm going to sound my best. I'm going to do amazing. I'm going to do this. But I was like nervous and stressed. And I was like, I was happy to be there and to like get the audition, like to do it. But I was just so ready to be done and like drive back home and get coffee. Like that's all I thought about. I was like, I can't wait to like go to this (laughs) coffee shop that I saw on the highway and just like get a latte there and drive home and blast whatever freaking music I want. Like I just can't (laughs) wait to go home. And I don't know, like, I kind of felt that way. And I felt fine, but I always, like, tend to put myself in this trap that I'm supposed to be at this place, this specific place when I take this audition. And I don't know, I kind of, like, thought to myself after the audition, even if you made the position, would you feel the way that you expect it to be? Which you felt like, oh yeah, like I feel super confident and stuff like that, and I don't know. I just I put way too much expectations on myself.
3: I think it's interesting, right? Because we're we're kind of not like this is the stuff that isn't talked about in master classes, right? It's like
2: not talked about at all, <laughs>
3: <laughs> right? We're talked we we talk about visualization of what's it going to be like on the day? What's your eating habits? Like all the preparation beforehand, all of that stuff. It's like, what do you do to help yourself? Do you listen to music? Well, like what's your process? All that stuff. But I think that even if you tell yourself like, oh my gosh, I expected to be nervous. That means I'm on the right track. Like that's a totally different way of looking at it that could Mm -hmm. literally just be like, oh my gosh, yeah, nerves, duh, I want this job. Of course, I'm going to be <laughs> nervous and I prepared for it for six weeks, right? And so I think that when we can expect that and and sort of help ourselves through that in, in certain ways, we can be present in a way where, because to just paint a picture for our survival brain, like we are literally on a stage in front of a group of people who we deem like a higher status than us, right? Like we want to get into their orchestra. So and we probably respect them a lot. We're putting ourselves outside of the group by being on a stage. They're literally judging us That's their job. And rejection feels so bad to us because like thousands of years ago, if we were rejected by our group, right? In like we would die in the woods alone. Like that's why it feels like life or death so many times. So when we can see that happening, Our brain, of course, is like, well, we probably just shouldn't be here. We should just get this over with. Like, we don't really want to advance. Yeah. Right? Like, I really just don't think it's a good idea. It's
2: like a defense mechanism in a way. Totally. Your brain's, like, trying to help you Mm -hmm. survive.
3: At least that's what it thinks.
1: Right, Brain's like, if you stay here, you're going to be eaten by a lion, yes. so we should just go home.
3: Right. We should go to the coffee shop where it's safe and people aren't judging us actively,
1: right? No lions
3: there. <laughs> yeah. No
2: lions, just lattes. <laughs>
3: <No>. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think it's really crazy because then we're like, oh, well, if I visualize enough, then I won't feel nervous. Or if I practice enough, then I won't feel nervous. But There's, like, an adrenaline sometimes. I mean, it depends on if you use beta blockers or not, and that's, like, totally everyone's own discretion of what they do. But I think, like, there are so many moments that doesn't mean, like, your brain won't freak out. That doesn't mean that you won't still want to, like, be somewhere else because this seems too painful to practice for that long, and then maybe they still say no, right? Like, we're afraid of that disappointment, I think, and in some ways we can self-sabotage a lot because we're not able to, you know, it almost seems too painful to put our all into something and then have them say no still.
0: Mm -hmm. And that is painful,
3: right? Like I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's not, but I think if we're, if we know how to handle that disappointment and we still like, and my podcast episode this week is about having your own back and that's all it is. It's like the back end of an audition, right? It's like, what, what How do you talk to yourself after? Like, that is the most important thing because if you make it mean you're not good enough and you should quit and, like, all these different things, then the next audition is going to come from that place. You're going to prepare for your next audition feeling really defeated instead of saying, that was their decision and actually I still think that I have a lot to offer and they just didn't choose me today. That's okay. And you can reflect on your... Pro- practice and you can reflect on your process and critique it if you didn't feel comfortable on stage but you don't have to like call yourself names you don't have to say like oh it was such a waste of time or I was so lazy and I should have practiced more right like that's not necessary what we want to do is just have our own back and say actually I can still I'm still good enough to do this job like so most people who audition are good enough to do this job you know what I mean I think um but I also think that um Treating yourself and being on your own team after is super important because it's it's what will sustain you and make you resilient instead of feeling super defeated.
2: Yeah. It's
1: really interesting how many fields you can apply that to as well. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like Catherine, I'm a runner as well and I've started doing really long distance races. Like last year I did a 10 miler and I have ambitions to do like a half marathon and a marathon in the near future. And it was so hard to get out of the mindset of not being happy with the times that I got instead of just being like, wow, I did it. Look at what my body is capable of. Look at like what I'm mentally capable of. Look at how like healthier and happier I am instead of being like, oh, uh, you should have exercised more. You should have practiced more. Like, why are you not doing speed trials?
3: Yeah, I'll. And our brain always focuses on the negative. I have a, I did a half marathon in February, and I did like the Nike Run Club process thing, and they have like how many in runs you did in the training program. I think I missed like three of like forty eight or something a, at one point, and I was like, Oh dang! It was always in my mind. It was like running how many I'd missed, right? And but never. I was not focused on like the 48 that I did. I was like, how insane, right? Like how crazy my brain is just so focused on it. But I think that it's a matter also of like, how much airtime do we give to the positive and the negative? Like our brain takes care of the negative. It'll always Mm -hmm. kind of go there, but how much are we intentionally feeding it? Like, Hey, I did this many runs or my body can do this many miles. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, how often do we remind ourselves to think that intentionally I think is really important because it's just like practicing. If we practice negative thoughts, we're going to believe them. If we practice positive thoughts, we're more likely to believe them or even neutral ones. I like in between would say like, I ran eight miles today. Like you don't have to say like, oh, I didn't run enough. I didn't run fast enough, but you could just state the facts, you know, and it yeah. feels different.
1: It's mm-hmm. funny. At the end of the day, we are our own worst enemy and it's about not creating those negative feedback loops.
3: Really, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and discovering like what works for us and what's believable for us too, I think, is definitely a big part of it. Because I think sometimes we see people posting positive affirmations, and I just kind of roll my eyes sometimes at those. I don't believe them yet, right? Like, I think that sometimes yeah. they're yeah. not believable. But I think that you know, there's an in between. Like, what if it's you know possible that one day I'll believe that? Like, that's a thought. you could Um, something like that. So. Yeah, I think that those negative feedback loops can be really detrimental to progress and, you know, feeling a little bit better day to day.
2: Yeah, I wish it was something that, like, I could have been aware of a little bit more when I was younger, you know? I feel like we could all, like, use that and, like, kind of learn that when we're a little bit younger that way. Like, I feel like all I stressed about in college was, you know, hitting like these certain marks at a certain age and being the best at everything not just with like not just with flute but with pizza delivery I know that's so stupid (laughs) but it's like I need to be like the best employee where I get everything done really fast and I can be a great employee and show people that I'm like great and
1: it's it's a day I don't make like a $100 in tips I'm trash
2: (laughs) yeah or like Like running for instance, I ran seven miles yesterday, I should run 7.25, like two five miles the next day, not five, Mm -hmm. like always like trying to like one up one thing after the other and I think it just got to the point where I was like burning myself out and I feel like I didn't really know how to handle it and I didn't know how to like really work it out and you know, kind of accept like, hey, these things happen, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Um, I wish it was like taught a little bit more like I I guess like in schools like how can you be kind to yourself after you play a recital how could you be kind to yourself after you run a marathon or run a 5k those kinds of things
1: it's a shame that it took a global pandemic for us to really start discussing Mm. mental health in a serious context for real
3: well and I will say music school and the music industry in general, I have this entire theory, I don't know. I think it's really built on scarcity. It's how we get students to practice. It's how we motivate them through auditions, through like competitions, through all of these different things that we as a culture value, but we're not telling them how to value themselves outside of that, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're not telling them like, oh my gosh, your warm up has worth, right? Like your, your, any sound that comes out of your instrument has value, right? Like we're telling them only if you practice three hours a day or only if you do this method or only if you do this stuff, will you get to where you want to go? And like, only if you take every audition tirelessly. And like, you know, there's so many different little things we can point to where we, we kind of use these scare tactics of, like, you have to be professional, you have to have, you have to have it all together all the time, or else you'll be fired because there's a line out the door of other flutists who want your job, right? Like, all of that stuff, there is no wonder, like, musicians don't feel amazing in
2: their jobs. It's mentally exhausting. It's, it's really <laughs> so mentally exhausting. exhausting. And I think that's the reason why I'm done with school. Like, after I finished my PC, like, I was, like, everyone was asking if I want to go back to school because I just remember when I was in school I that was me I was like I have to be professional all the time I have to be on top of it all the time and that's all I focused on and as soon as I was done I was like completely wiped out I remember even like I think after I finished my recital or maybe before my recital I was like over it I was like I can't wait to be done with my PC done with school and just like get back into Catherine versus like you know Being a professional student, it made me on top of things, and I guess, like, I, it, you know, I was able to get, like, the work done that I needed to get done, but I think mentally it really just kind of, it made me kind of, like, shed this perfectionist person, like, it took a really long time, and it's still, like, I feel like it's still a work in progress of taking this perfectionist kind of person out Mm -hmm. from being in it for so long. Just all that, it's exhausting.
3: Totally. And I think when we reflect on it, like, we're told all of those things. I always describe music school as, like, a pressure cooker, right? We're just, like, feeling all this pressure all the time to be the best, right? Whether it's our best, whether it's the best in the school, whether it's the best in a competition or an audition. It's, like, you're always striving to be the best, whatever the heck that means, right? Um, We don't even define it. And then we're, we're chasing all of these things because then, like, I think what happens is we chase this destination of like, then finally I'll feel good enough or like, then finally I'll feel valid. And then finally I'll feel X, Y, and Z, right? Like the reason that we do all of that stuff isn't because we want to torture ourselves, right? It's because our brain thinks it'll be better there. Like once we do all Mm -hmm. these things, but when we get there and I think this is what happened to me a lot was I get to the big festival I applied for and I feel terrible and I'm like, what the heck right like I was just like are what is happening (laughs) don't people who go to this festival feel amazing right like don't they feel so confident right and I I just like don't I didn't understand it for a long time but it really is about how you think of yourself if you believe all this stuff that you're not valid or worthy until you have a job then you're going to spend your life trying to get an orchestra job and do you want that to be the reason why you do that Right. Or you can change your thinking and feel valid and worthy no matter what, if you choose to believe that, which is something I've chosen because I'm not going to, you know, let some external circumstance control my value, you know, and there are days my brain disagrees with me and I have to like help myself through those days. I'm not saying it's (laughs) like an all or nothing, like you decide it and it's instant. But um, I think that we're sold that. And we're sold that on so many levels. It's like you get an A on a test, you get into a good college, you're set up for life, you're like, all of these things we're told. Same with consumer consumer things, like buy this thing, you'll be happy. Like, go to this gym, you'll look like these people, right? Like, then they're happy, don't you want to be happy? <laughs> like, I think it's mm-hmm. pervasive in our culture so much that we don't take a step back and say, like, okay, since my thoughts and how I think create how I feel, like you know do i like my reasons for doing this audition or this competition and i think that's something i didn't ask myself for like 19 auditions <laughs> was like why are you doing this
2: it's so you crazy. Just feel yeah. like you're going
1: through the motions of what yeah. you should be doing with your degree mm-hmm. and your credentials and what you've decided to do with life you
2: see like an audition and you're like oh i should be like auditioning for this not really asking well
3: I guess this is another thing well yeah and I was like excited it was like now I can prove myself so it was like oh I didn't win this competition okay well here's this audition coming up I can like throw myself into that because when I win that I'll feel good enough and I'll prove myself right or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and so that just kept going on forever and then COVID hit which yeah so fun just Good really times. cut that option off which I'm actually grateful that it did not that it mm-hmm. happened but that that taught me oh this is what I'm doing I'm using competitions and auditions as a coping mechanism for my rejection and I'm just like keeping going and like spinning like that so I don't know to- <laughs> in case anyone else felt that
2: way I definitely have fallen into that as well and I feel like sometimes I still do in ways like I'm still working through like my own like challenges and things and I don't know I took on like a mock audition and at first I was like I got asked if I wanted to do it and I was like uh let me think about it like at first I was just like I need to wait and just see like is this something that I really want to do then I thought about that there is possibly like an audition happening somewhere locally around here and I I've auditioned for the orchestra before i do want to like you know try it again because i think i when i last did it i was like you know i felt really good when i did my that last audition at that at that orchestra i want to like try it out because i want to show like hey i'm still here if you ever need me like i can still play there's like a part of me that still wants to play like orchestra music but maybe i'll have like and, and i just like think to myself i might have a better experience with this group it's a different group Um, it's not the same group that you've been playing with in this community for a while, Um, you know people in this group too, I want to play, and I just decided, okay, if I want to do this audition in the future that's possibly happening, why not prepare myself for the same, uh, like, position basically with this mock audition, kind of, like, use it as a test, kind of, like, Mm -hmm. what can you do in this mock audition, don't And I mean, with the mock audition, if I make it through the final round, that's great. But I'm using it more as like a tool to prepare myself for like an actual real audition that's happening in a month or two. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, I didn't wanna do it because I was like, you're just gonna burn yourself out again. You're Mm -hmm. just gonna feel the same expectations again. But I'm kind of like rerouting my brain a little bit and trying to use this as an opportunity, not like this is your deadline. Mm -hmm. Use an opportunity to grow and to learn not expect like the end Mm -hmm. result to be what you want it to be like getting the position or getting the mock audition Mm because I mean I just want to do it to kind of show like hey I still I I can do this for myself still yeah Um, it's hard to like shift yourself out of that like I guess like circle of doing one audition one competition after the next because I feel like every time I've done it it's more like I've had that expectation like you're going to get that position you're going to do it and then but kind of sabotaging myself before the process like oh I'm getting nervous I want to like get coffee instead.
1: <laughs> and when you don't do it it feels like a cop-out and an excuse so it feels more like an obligation than something that you're actually doing because you yeah oh, thanks for moving my laptop bar talk it's been something <laughs> you're doing because you want the job or you want the position or you find it rewarding or whatever yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: sorry That's... I have a cat behind my laptop
2: <laughs> he's like not moving
0: he's like no.
3: <laughs> yeah I mean I think too it's always really a good idea before you decide to do something like ask yourself why are you doing it and do you like those reasons right? Because I think that I I took a lot of auditions I didn't actually want to win, like in small orchestras in random places.
1: Just telling yourself it's experience or something?
3: Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, well, I mean, this is audition number 12. So do I need, do I need it? <laughs> like, Do I need that experience? <laughs> or, you know, I think that one of the hardest things is shifting your goal from winning the audition to something else, right? Because I never set goals for myself that other people decide or other people are going to decide, right? Because I don't think that... Because I can't control that. I can't control the accomplishment of my goal or not. Like, if it's a competition, I can control what I play, how I present myself, all that stuff, and I can have a goal about that. And usually it's a goal of how I'm treating myself in that process post-learning about all of this stuff. But I I think I, I had a moment in... I I took an audition in March and I played the the whole semi final round and I, I, you know, I got back to my little warm-up room area and I was, like, fully proud of myself. And I wanted to, like, I was, like, I would have been so excited to go to the finals. Which I think before, Catherine, I think what you described as, like, oh, I just want to get out of here, right? Like, I think before (laughs) that's, like, what I would have felt which I never really questioned I just thought like everyone felt terrible <laughs> about it right or or I just like thought maybe I it was just unconscious but I was like yeah I'm in it I'll wait well I had to end up waiting like four hours for them to deliberate but right like I'll <laughs> I'll wait that time like I I'm in it like this would be so exciting and I would be thrilled to get this opportunity because it would push me out of my comfort zone. Like, that's what I want because I want to do that and that have that experience for myself, not necessarily, I want this so I can feel better. Right. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that when we're able to say like, okay, well, why do you want to take this audition? If it's like to prove myself, if it's to feel better, if it's to, if it's to do the job, that's an amazing reason. Like, I think that's awesome. Right. Like, um, but I think there's some, some, I've definitely taken some auditions where I'm like, I don't even, like I don't want to move to the middle of nowhere, Texas. Like, I don't know why I'm taking this audition right now. And I think that, like, observing that in hindsight is really interesting, because I was just so wrapped up in like the process and just doing the next thing and seeking validation wherever possible. That, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about like, what do I actually want? And, you know, how do I actually feel? Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: definitely, I think that's relatable, not just with, like, us here, but maybe with, like, other people, too, because, again, it's easy to kind of get caught in that trap. I think that's what we're expected to do when we're, like, out of school, really, is, like, okay, what can I do to be doing as much music as possible um, Mm -hmm. and much opportunities as I can versus, like, what's really good for myself? Um, So, yeah, yeah, I think that's really relatable with many
3: Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. Uh, And, and I think it's in any field too, where, um, Mm -hmm. you're wanting that destination or that promotion or that thing. And then like, you know, maybe you get it and you still don't feel good. And you're like, why don't I feel good still? (laughs) Right. And it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't the job. Like maybe it's how I'm thinking about myself or talking to myself or treating myself or whatever it is. You know, I think there's, that happens in so many cases where we're we're basically told to like strive to be the best all the time and that'll be fruitful for us, but it won't necessarily make us feel good, you know?
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Unless we have some thoughts that accompany that and make us feel good. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to ask you,
1: we are also a book podcast. Mm -hmm. A lot of what you're saying is reminding me of Atomic Habits by James Clear.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs>
1: I was wondering if you had any book recommendations.
3: Well, that's an amazing book. <laughs> I, I love that book, obviously. Um, oh, this is hard. Putting you on the spot. People ask me this. Whole, let me just like, look at my bookshelf. Okay. <laughs> okay, I would say um, the first book that really like changed a lot for me was Mindset by Carol Dweck that one was just all about growth mindset. And I, as someone, I always thought of myself as not as smart as other people, like through high school and through college until I just decided to like, see what would happen if I studied my artist <laughs> and it maybe took a little longer than other people. And I think it's so important to know the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. Um, so that's one that I highly recommend. Even if you read like the first half of the book, you get so much out of it. Like, it's not... Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. One of my the most impactful books I've read is Untamed by Glennon Doyle.
2: I love that book. It's so good. It's so, I don't know if I've heard that one. Oh, my
3: goodness.
2: It came out, like, in 2020, I want to say?
3: It did. I bought it in it's the nice. Austin airport on, like, March 10th and when I flew back from my last recital in 2020 from Austin. <laughs> and I was, like... I, I read it um in, like, two days because I was just so all about it I was Mm -hmm. anyway um it's so good um let me see I'm just like looking at the bookshelf over there
2: I I know we like asked you a question I was like hey (laughs) spontaneous what's in your bookshelf yeah um (laughs) those
3: two really stick out to me I think that um the power of now by Eckhart Tolle I really love because it really kind of shows you it makes you kind of expand your mind about like what what's happening in your brain and all you have is the present moment and how to be present with yourself and I think that that's something that we don't do very often in our society right now and I think Mm -hmm. there's so much value in it that's something that I always had trouble with because my negative self-talk was just literally like uncontrollable awful so (laughs) that is something that really helped me kind of build that relationship with myself and like mental environment where I can just like sit with myself and it's no big deal and I'm not automatically just kind of mean to myself yeah so those three I would say for starters (laughs) yeah are um you know really good ones to kind of look through and reflect on your own like how have you been thinking and Mm -hmm. how do you relate to to those stories so (laughs) Wow! Well,
1: <laughs> well yeah. we have our homework cut out for us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. And you'll be joining us again for yeah. the practice, which I re- noted. I remember I noticed on your Instagram because you mentioned. I know that you did a few reels last summer with like books that mm. you recommended for people, and the practice was one of them. Um, yeah. You'll be joining us on our second episode of the practice. So. Yeah,
3: I'm excited. Yeah. I love that book as well. I think Seth Godin has a lot of great ideas, and um, yeah, actually, I think I read that in 2020, so it'll be amazing to revisit it. And I'm excited to talk with you all about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. that'll be really cool to have you it'll on. Be exciting. I feel like I've learned a lot from this conversation. I have a lot of a lot to chew while I'm bringing Figaro to the vet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely Chelsea did you want to plug anything before we leave
3: Um, I guess would be my Instagram it's at I think it's at underscore Chelsea Tanner so at Chelsea Ah. Tanner unfortunately was taken by some other amazing probably amazing person named Chelsea Tanner Um, (laughs) and uh, I have a podcast called Align Your Mind Um, I'm also a one on one mindset coach so if this Whole conversation. Ugh, whoa! If this whole conversation resonated with you, and you're like, "How do I do this stuff?" You can, you know, DM me on uh, Instagram or my website is chelsea com, and you can find out more there.
2: Cool. we will put all that stuff in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I can oh. do
1: that. I can do the thing. <laughs> uh, do you want to? Should we plug our own stuff
2: real quick? Oh yeah! If you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at fiddle and pipe and our personal instagrams mine is at cat flinch flute and Brittany's is at bm, Ron- BM ross music wow words wow but all struggling <laughs> it's okay
1: you can also find us on facebook at fiddle and pipe forum if you like what you hear and you want to contribute to our podcast you can find us on patreon.com fiddle and pipe and you can sponsor us and you get little things like extra podcast episodes and outtakes Here's a preview from our newest Patreon episode.
2: Colorado. Oh my god, we're getting a quick trip here. Wait, y'all don't have quick, quick trip? No, they don't exist here. We have 7-Eleven. Yeah, 7-Eleven and come and goes. Come and go. And come is spelled K-U-M.
1: Yeah, I'll show you a come and go. <laughs> mm.
2: But yeah, we we have 7-Elevens here. We don't have, and like Sinclair's, we don't have quick trips. But they're building one, like, I want to say maybe, mm, 20 30 minutes away from my house. And you know what? I am going to go ham on a freaking corn dog.
1: <laughs> I mean, you could do that at come and go.
2: See, the thing is is that come and goes <laughs> get it are not really here Penis. in where I am, okay? <laughs> I know what you said. I know what you meant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are no come and goes there.
2: They're out more in the con- like they're they're more the outskirts of Denver.
1: Ah, uh, so you only come and go in the country.
2: Yeah, you only come and go in the country. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're getting a Bucky's, which I think you still need to go to a Bucky's.
1: Haven't been to one because I think the closest one is Calhoun. ways.
2: It's Calhoun, basically. Yeah. It,
1: yeah, Calhoun's like an hour away from me. Just go. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna just drive an hour to go to a glorified gas station
2: not just a gas station
1: maybe there's more on the way to Asheville
2: you can check and see let's find out let's see <laughs> what highway are you taking are you taking 75 north
1: I don't know let's see if you take
2: 75 north you're going to freaking Bucky's
1: <laughs> hey David can we make a pit stop you at should Bucky's totally the go
2: to get some gas Park your car. Look at some grills. Gr- what? <laughs> get some meat. Wait, what? Get some meat. Get some dipping Dots. <laughs> Buy some shoes. <laughs> we don't even need a pack for the trip. Just get everything we need at Bucky's. Yeah, get some coffees, some pastries. They have some pastries, and the pastries looked really good. Like, actual pastries if I went to a coffee shop. I'm not kidding.
1: I mean, are they whole wheat, though?
2: They might have them whole wheat. I don't know.
1: Me either. You can rate and review us on Spotify and I want to say iTunes. That's so old. Apple Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Where's my brain? Isn't
2: it the same thing, though? Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think iTunes turned into Apple Podcast.
2: Yeah, same thing.
1: <laughs> uh, you can also share our podcast to a friend and help us grow.
2: Thank you so much for coming on, Chelsea. We appreciate yeah. it. Of yeah, course. this is
1: fantastic. It's Looking forward to reading the practice with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. same year Thank All you. Right. And I
1: guess we will see everyone next week. Woo. Bye. Bye.